Welcome to Life Words Day by Day. You know, when I was a child, there was a running joke that you always knew where I went to bed, but you never knew where I was going to end up by the morning time. Apparently, I had a sleepwalking problem when I was young. You might find me lying down on my floor, or in my brother's bed, or in my parents' room. And my parents were always uneasy when they had to get up in the middle of the night because they were afraid they were going to step on me. It was like a treasure hunt to find Cliff in the morning. And I would have no recollection come morning time of how or why or when in the night I'd gotten up and traveled to where I'd landed. And here's the thing about sleepwalkers. They look like they are awake, but they're not. Sleepwalkers are usually unaware of their surroundings and have no idea where they are going. They're in a zombie-like state. Can you relate to that sometimes? Just sort of sleepwalking your way through life, not sure where you're going, what you want to accomplish. It can happen on a personal level, but probably even more at risk are churches. Churches can tend to get into this funk of sleepwalking, unaware of their surroundings, and have no idea where they are going or why. And oftentimes, it's very difficult to wake up a sleepwalking church. It takes a hard collision, a crash, in order to jolt it awake. Well, what do you mean, Cliff, a sleepwalking church? I mean that we, as Christians and as churches, can lose sight of the fact that we live in a generation that is mesmerized by materialism and jeopardized by evils no other age has known. And unless we wake up and realize that what is needed in our day is not political victory or more programs, but power from above pouring out of the church through the gospel, we may very well continue sleepwalking our way through the world. I mean that we as a church can continue to do the same things, good things, but without power from on high, and we can be fooled into thinking that simply since we are doing, then everything is okay. And here's the great truth. Power has been supplied. The book of Acts is all about the empowerment available to the Christian, to the church, through the Holy Spirit in order to live in and minister in this world. So what keeps us from becoming a sleepwalking church? What keeps our hearts blazing hot for Christ and the lost? And what keeps us from falling into the trap of the comfortable and the routine yet ineffective? How does a church on the move move? Well, in Acts chapter 13, I believe we see a description of a church that has the answer. Chapter 13 begins the second major division of the book of Acts. So far, most of the attention has been on the church in Jerusalem with the apostles. But now, we've been introduced to the church in Antioch in chapter 11. And the focus remains on what happens in and through the church in Antioch. God's hand had been on this church from the beginning. Remember the persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem, which scattered Christians all over the place. Some of them landed in Antioch, a little, three, a little over 300 miles north of Jerusalem. And men of Cyprus and Cyrene began preaching to the Jews and the Greeks. The church was born there and it grew. And so incredible was the situation in Antioch that the Jerusalem church sent Barnabas to check things out. And he was so impressed with the church and saw the potential for great things that he went and found the apostle Paul and they spend a year there simply discipling the people. Watch what happens next. Acts chapter 13, verse 1. Now there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manaen, a member of the court of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. And while they were worshiping the Lord and, and fasting, 
the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. And then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. What is it that this church did that we need to give ourselves to in order to avoid sleepwalking? Well, they intentionally sought guidance from the Lord. How easy would it have been for this church to begin coasting? It would have been pretty easy. I mean, they had overcome quite a many obstacles, and they had seen God do some pretty amazing things that they could have just sat back and said, well, look at us. Look at what we have done. But from their inception, they had overcome all sorts of cultural barriers. They started as a church made up of Jews and Greeks, a racially diverse church. Not only that, but they were fully integrated, not just racially, but economically and socially. Outside of, this, outside of this church, these groups had very little to do with one another. Greeks didn't like the Romans, Romans didn't like the Greeks, and the Jews didn't like anyone. The rich despised the poor, the poor hated the rich, the educated looked down upon the uneducated, and on and on and on, but not in the church in Antioch. I mean, just consider the leaders in this church. Barnabas, he was a Jewish priest from Cyrene, but not from Jerusalem, but rather from Cyrene. He was a Jew in touch with the Greek culture. Simeon, called Niger. In all likelihood, Simeon was a black man, for that's what Niger means, and he was presumably from North Africa. Lucia. It was men from Cyprus and Cyrene that caught the vision to preach to all peoples, not just the Jews. And it wouldn't be a stretch that Lucius was one of those original men. He was a missionary. Lucius is a Latin name, which indicates that he was probably reared in a Roman culture. And then you have Menaean. This man was raised as a close companion to Herod Antipas. This is the Herod who killed John the Baptist. Menaean was a man of high standing. The word lifelong friend literally means to be nursed by the same nurse. And later it came to mean raised together. So Menaean was like a brother to Herod Antipas, a childhood companion to royalty. And then you have Saul, a former Pharisee who was an enemy of the church, who became a leader in the church that he once tried to destroy. So I want you to think about all the bragging rights this church could have boasted about, but they didn't. Instead, they stayed focused on the task at hand. And they knew that unless they sought guidance from the Lord, they would get sidetracked. They would become ineffective. They would start sleepwalking. This was a church that kept asking, what's next? We know there is more to do, Lord. Where do you want us to go? And the text says in verse 2 that these men, along with the church, were seeking the Lord through worship and fasting. No one casually and flippantly discovers the heart of God. It's a conviction that burns in the chest of a believer. And a desperation so deep had set in at the church in Antioch that they had gathered together to worship and to pray while they were fasting. It was a desperation and a longing that said, God, if you don't go with us, we won't go. And if you don't go before us, we won't go. The church was desperate and so concerned to do what God had called it to do that they decided to gather together and to pay no attention to the clock. They weren't concerned about getting to the restaurant in time or getting home for lunch. They weren't bothered by long stretches of silence when they were praying. They were like Jacob wrestling with the angel of the Lord saying, We won't let go until you bless us. And we need to hear from you. If anything is going to be done in this land, you have to lead, Lord. So how about you? Are you sleepwalking right now? And what about your church?
Are you contributing to the complacency or are you intentionally seeking the Lord with your church about the next step? Your church could begin praying about planting a new church. Your church could plead with God to raise up missionaries from your church or to raise up pastors or more disciple makers. So what are you asking of the Lord? How are you diligently and intentionally seeking Him? We pray you are and that you are doing it day by day. When you pray today, please remember to pray for John Page and his wife Luella and their daughter Gracia, our missionaries in Cambodia. Also, remember to pray for our Native American broadcast in the United States.